0: Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I know I say this every week that it's a really exciting episode with a very exciting guest, but it's true, it always is. But this week especially, I'm so excited to share it with you. My guest today is Greta Gerwig. I've been a huge fan of Greta Gerwig for years. I fell in love with her film Frances Ha back in 2012, which she co-wrote with Noah Baumbach, who directed it. Then I fell in love with her in 20th Century Women and her supporting role in Jackie and loads of other films I've loved her in. Now Greta has been making headlines for a different reason with her directorial debut called Lady Bird. I got to see Lady Bird last year at a really special press screening in Mayfair and I cried, I laughed, I really, really loved it. And it was really special because the whole audience was full of Women in the media who I I just couldn't wait to hear what they thought and what they were going to write about. I then totally jumped out of my seat when I got a email from Universal, who book in all of Greta's interviews, and they asked if I wanted to do a podcast episode with her for Control Alt Delete, which was amazing because I've done loads of press junkets in the past when I've worked at magazines, and you get about three minutes with someone and you have to ask them really kind of direct questions and this is a totally different vibe. It's half an hour of proper chats, really conversational. Um I didn't really plan many questions. I just wanted to sit down and chat about what she's been up to, the film and, and her writing process and just how she's lots of different things all wrapped into one, which I love. So Lady Bird is a comedy drama written and directed by Greta Gerwig with a seriously amazing cast. It's got Saoirse Ronan, who plays Lady Bird, Laurie Metcalf who plays her mum, Timothy Chalamet, who's obviously Oscar nominated for um, Call Me By Your Name, and Beanie Feldstein, who uh, I just love and I followed on Instagram as soon as I s- finished watching the film, she's so cool. Um, it's set in Sacramento, California, and it's a coming of age story of a high school senior and her turbulent relationship with her mother. It's also a story of female friendship and there's so many touching moments around friendship in the film. And I really, really loved it. I recommend you go and see it. It's out now in the UK, finally. And it's just a film I will remember for a long time. So in this episode, um, yeah, we just sit on a sofa in a hotel (laughs) chatting and I really love it. I loved listening back to it when I was editing it and I just thought she was really open and really honest and it just felt like a really genuine conversation, which is always what I'm aiming for with this podcast. So I'll stop rambling on now, and I hope you enjoy this episode, and please do let me know what you think, and what you think of the film Ladybird. I could talk about it all day. So tweet me, email me, please leave a rating or a review if you enjoyed this episode, and here it is. Welcome, Greta Gerwig, to my podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I am a huge fan of yours, and my favourite film is Frances Ha. Oh, yes. My new favourite film is Lady Bird, (laughs) Um, but I just, yeah, I just wanted to thank you, first of all, because that was the first film that I'd seen female friendship Mm. in a really raw, real way. Thank you. And then Lady Bird as well. I know that's not like the main plot of the film, but I cried so much with those friendship scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the two actresses, uh, Saoirse Ronan who plays Lady Bird, and then Beanie Feldstein who plays her best friend. Beanie Feldstein is like, oh, she's a dream. She, she, and Saoirse, it It's so funny. I, I, I mean, I cried watching my actors through lots lots of parts of the movies but I cried even watching them have fun together mm-hmm. because they really did become really good friends and when they're cracking each other up they're genuinely cracking each other up and I felt this sort of overwhelming thing of like this is so rare to watch two women genuinely laugh. Mm. Not pretend to laugh or not try to look
0: cute while they're laughing but just really crack each other up before i ask my other question are there any questions that do just annoy you in general you know it's funny because i
1: i've been people always say oh you must do so many interviews you must be so tired of talking about it and it's like no i mean this film i I, i've worked on it for years um so many people put their heart and soul into it Mm -hmm. and I don't know that I'm ever gonna get tired of, of of talking about it. It's it's not it's not something where I want to hang up the towel and say like I'm done. I I I really it's talking to people, especially you know as it's expanded and. Different parts of the world. It's it's amazing. It's amazing that it connects to people who you know have no idea what Sacramento is, have never been there, mm. like that. That that they can still find themselves in it. That's what I think cinema so does so extraordinarily. And I never have that
0: feeling of like Ugh.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> no never cruel. I never
0: feel that. Also, I just wanted to see it again immediately when it was finished because. Yes. The, there were the small moments the, the line about how you know our f- cell phones are at surveillance and yeah. you know it'll mm-hmm, be our brains mm-hmm, next, mm-hmm. i got such a good laugh those moments were really fun for me cuz it's such a throwback
1: yeah such a throwback yeah the it was funny the the guy who plays um, Kyle uh, is it this actor Timothy Chalamet who's so extraordinary he's also in this film call me by your name which is getting a lot of love and yeah. it's so good and he's so good uh, but he I remember when he was I cast him and we were talking about the part and he was sort of saying well like is Kyle a bit stupid and I was like no Kyle's really smart and he was like well but he says all this stuff that's sort of ridiculous and I was like it might be a little ridiculous but actually he he does kind of know what he's talking about and he was like well I don't know what you mean so then I gave him all these books that were things that I had read and really liked about like the emergence of the internet and the surveillance state mm-hmm. and, um, you know, people's history of the United States and and these sort of, these books that had meant a lot to me that refigured history and looked at our use of technology. And I gave them to him and he, he flipped through them and then he, he came back and he said, Whose notes are in the <laughs> margins? Who underlined these books? And I was like, "Oh, they're my books. I did that." And he was like, "Whoa, you're really into this." Oh yeah, I that that's true. And he said, "People will think people will watch this movie and think you're Ladybird, but actually, you're Kyle. Yeah. You're actually a conspiracy theorist." I was like, "No, I mean clearly there are surveillance devices." I love um, that. I but it but I do I think I'm always interested in moments when technology or or anything that's emerging isn't quite there yet.
0: Um, I think it's a fascinating moment. And I think it gets laughs as well because he's like, it's 2003, isn't it? So he's like predicting, mm-hmm. and we're all there in 2017, like, yeah. Yeah, weird, that's weird. gonna happen. But you're not on social media yourself, <sighs> are you?
1: No, I'm not I'm not on any social media. It's probably because I'm Kyle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Was um, it meant to be funny though? That, you know that bit where she walks out and he's reading a book? It's hilarious. Yes, yes that's meant
1: to be Him with funny. a book. Yeah. I know, just me and a book. Like, <laughs> I'm the guy reading the book at the party. That's so. That's the cool guy now, though. Well, it always yeah. was, in, to well, my eyes. I mean, to a certain kind of girl, that was the cool guy. Yeah. I mean, any guy who just, like, read a bunch of things and told you you were wrong was really exciting. Mm-hmm. I learned that there's a word for this now, somebody told me.
0: Negging? Have oh, you heard this? Oh, yeah, negging, yeah. Yeah, like, I know.
1: I mean, this is why, I,
0: if, you, if you're not on Twitter, you don't know the cool new lingo. But, like, all my favorite writers, you included, aren't on it. So I'm thinking, maybe I... <laughs> should follow in your footsteps because no,
1: I, I mean I think it's an amazing tool and I think it's it's something that's really like connected people and facilitated interesting conversations and and I think it's it's a wonderful thing I mean I personally am not on it because I felt like every time I mean when I was in college Facebook started and I was on Facebook for about six months um I found it very stressful because it felt like I was creating this image of myself that may or may not have been actually true Mm -hmm. like this idea this attempt to look cool or something not like here's me with all my friends but like there was a section at the beginning of Facebook where you like list what are your favorite books and what are your favorite movies and music and it was this sort of desperate attempt to seem really smart and well-informed and I felt like it was a little bit of a lie and Anyway, I deleted it because I was like, God, this is just stressful. And then as I went on as an actor and a writer and now I'm doing this, at different points people have said to me, like publicists or someone has said, you have to get on Twitter or Instagram for your career. And I, I, for me, I was like, but if I do it for my career, it wouldn't be genuine. Like there are people who are genuinely, you know, it, that that that's that's a medium that makes sense to them it's something it's a way they like to have conversations it's a way that they like to interact with the world and it's and it works because it's genuine for them for me if it was just a cynical thing if i was just like well this is for my career then it it, it would be it, it wouldn't work yeah. i i think i think people would be like no she's just a poser she's not really this is, is not really, really her yeah or it's like <laughs> this is kind of, like, awkward and l- a little bit nerdy or something. Like, it It wouldn't feel just natural for me. So I feel mm-hmm. like the thing is, it's not that I'm opposed to it. It's more just, like you got to do what feels right to you. (laughs) And it just never felt right to me. And it's like, if it did, I would have already done it. And I'm not going to start doing
0: it now because it's a good career move. Mm -hmm. And when, I think when younger people ask for advice in career, you know, career advice, and they're saying, should I be on it? I I always say that to them. I'm like, if you want to be, you should do it. But if you don't know what you want to say maybe it's not right for you maybe it's not right
1: for you but i mean there's like i there's certainly like you know there are people there're amazing photographers who have accounts on like instagram who or you know cinematographers too or or people who just you know they, they get excited about using it in some creative way that's um that's that's really that's really speaks to
0: them and and that's real for them but if not just you don't have to do it. Yeah. Do you still get distractions though? Because I, I last night we get a Q&A Million distractions. When you were saying that you overwrite, I thought that was so interesting. Like uh. kind of just the three hundred and fifty pages, yeah. Kind of craziness, and then, and then this genius thing at the end of it. If it's not Twitter, is there anything that? you find distracting oh well I can fall into an internet k-hole just as well as the next person I
1: mean I'll get like obsessed with bears or something and I need to know everything about bears and like what kind of bears like do all bears hibernate or do only some bears hibernate like how do bears get birth do bears have teats I'm not sure like I go into I, I get kind of crazy about certain subjects. So like for me, the internet, even not being on these social media platforms, is just the most distracting place for me. Also a really interesting place, but very distracting. And also I can be distracted just by literally anything at all in my apartment or in the world. I spend an awful lot of time just wasting time when I'm supposed to be writing. And it's taken me a long time to accept that that's just part of it. And to not go into a, um, a shame spiral of self-loathing where you hate yourself for wasting time, then you hate yourself for hating yourself for wasting time, then you hate yourself again, then you waste more time, and then you can't start now because you got to hate yourself <laughs> more, and then you're just in this crazy thing. And that that's the thing that really stops you. It's like you're going to waste time. If you're working on anything creative it's gonna. You're gonna have time wasting things, and I think there's a sort of cultural myth of an artist who's just relentlessly working, and maybe those artists exist. I have never met them. Mm. I have 100% never met those people. Most people I know who make art spend some time that they're wasting. I guess. I mean, I just went to the Modigliani exhibit oh, at the Tate. Yeah. And there was a bunch of like little placards that said like Modigliani would work for hours and hours and never stop. And I was like, but he was addicted <laughs> to absinthe. I'm pretty sure there were some moments where he didn't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and of course, getting out of the house is is crucial to the letting yeah, it kind of parties of of and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, he was hanging out with a bunch of ladies in Paris and
1: drinking and partying, and I, it's like. I don't know that he was
0: just nose to the grindstone yeah. the whole time. That's that's not what was going on. Also, how do we know that? Because I feel like there was no surveillance of his, you know, there's no yeah. social media back then. So I know. maybe people romanticize it a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's sort of like, like, I'm very aware. I'm very, I try to be very honest about, like, it takes me a long time to write. And I try to be honest about being lazy. I try to on, be honest about, like, you know, writing a 350-page script and then trying to cut it down because... I do not want to perpetuate the myth that it's just uh, that I'm a superior being. I am not a superior being. I do not have gifts that are outside of um, the, the the realm of just, you know, a normal ability to work. I'm mm-hmm. super distractible. I can be really lazy. Um, and I've gotten through by some combination of, you know, hard work and luck and different things. But... I think there's a lot of myth-making around what it mm-hmm. means to be a writer, and I I, I, I think I want to dismantle some of it because um, I don't know that it's helping people who want to write. Even, like, the idea of, like, people who talk about um, I'll write for hours and hours and I'll look up and it's eight hours later. And I'm like, yeah, that's never, that's never happened to me. I've never been like, oh, the whole day. It's like people are like, oh, you know, I'm always forgetting to eat. I was like, I've never <laughs> once forgotten to eat. That's not, that, that's not an issue I've ever had. <laughs> um, so I don't know where these people are who write for eight hours and don't notice or forget to eat. But I'm not them. and And I think most people aren't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying all this and while I'm saying it I'm thinking I'm sure there are exceptions to this and I'm sure that
0: there are people who do write for hours and don't notice I'm just I just don't do it it's a really nice message to say can, you can do it but whatever way you want to do it. whatever
1: way you want to do it and it's also like yeah there are moments of transcendent inspiration where you're like I don't know where that came from and it was so wonderful but a lot of it's just a slog and another thing I think is important to keep in mind if any of you out there want to be writers, um, it is not necessary that you feel good about what you're doing at all points for it to be actually good. Like sometimes you'll feel like what you're working on is basically shit and then, but you'll keep plugging away at it and you'll get through it and uh, and it's, and it's, and it's good. Um, you don't have to feel like it's brilliant Mm -hmm. at all times you don't have to feel like god i've really solved it you can just sort of get from point a to point b to point c you can allow it to be boring Mm -hmm. and you can allow it to be kind of just drudgery and 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 it doesn't mean because you're not you know high on inspiration Mm -hmm. it's it's doesn't mean it's not
0: good. Yeah. Oh, I needed to hear that because I'm in the middle of a like a slump. Oh, so <laughs> like yeah. you're speaking directly to no, me right I have now.
1: A, so. I have a little note uh, note that I put up on my bulletin board. Um with the intention that I would write at a desk. I never end up writing at a desk. I always end up laying on the bed. <laughs> um, um but on my bulletin board um um it's a note that says you're allowed to be boring Because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes there's this need to, like, entertain or dazzle when you're writing. And it's like, no, you're allowed to be boring. Like, write the most boring version of this. Mm -hmm. And, like, it can free you to actually find what's interesting about a character or about a scene because you let yourself stop trying to entertain everybody all the
0: time. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with, like, a one out of ten day. Yeah, Because I feel like every day has to be, like instagram worthy perfection but no the case it's okay you can be you can be boring Mm. i think it's it's a coincidence but a lot of my Mm -hmm. guests are kind of like these amazing people who have so many different things going on. Mm. Um, I'm actually writing a book on... Um, it's called The Multi-Hyphen Method, and it's mm. about, um, mm-hmm. like, saying no to basically being one one thing. Yeah. It's, it's for everyone, but I think there's, like, a gendered thing on it slightly just because I yeah. think people want to put, like, women in boxes and be like, mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. Do you... I feel like you're... It's like Nora Ephron is like... And you. Yeah. You can't sum up really what you do right. easily. right. Do you feel like people... Were slightly like, but you're an actor, but you're this, but you're that, or do you think yeah. it's? Have you felt like people have just been like, oh, you're loads of things? It's, it's funny, like a, a lot of people say, like if you
1: had to choose, and I was like, if you I had to, to, to choose one, writing, acting, or directing, and I was like, must I, must I choose? Must mm. we, must we make this a requirement? Um, I, I, I told people I wanted to direct before I directed because I wanted to. Um, I wanted, in some ways, to be able to talk to people about about directing, and I wanted to. And you have to sort of bravely say, like, I'd like to do that. And then, um, and people are very, very open and very helpful. And I think something you know that is interesting about artistic life is um, you would think that people were competitive, but actually people are just supportive of each other because they know, A, how hard it is to make a movie, and B, everybody's on their own magical mystery tour. Like, mm. there's no way I'm going to make someone else's film, or they're going to make my film. That just doesn't happen. So, it, and it's a pretty solitary endeavor, too, for, for lots of chunks of it. So, being able to talk to someone else about how to make something, is it's, mm. it's really super fun. Um, so I I was open about wanting to direct, but I was nervous not about talking to other artists about it, but um, honestly, I was nervous about saying it to like the press or like uh, mm-hmm. an article written or something because I thought, oh God, they're just gonna make fun of me or something. Mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, yeah, I'm like an actress who wants to direct, and like that it would somehow be seen as like a not serious minded endeavor so I was sort of sensitive to that and that's a silly sensitivity to have because it's not there's nothing I mean you either do it or you don't you don't have to worry what people Mm -hmm. think about it about it but um I felt like yeah there you know there was a bit of like uh feeling like I wanted to be so prepared and so ready to do this because I so didn't want to give people a reason to think that i was unserious or something mm. you know I, I still wanted to be like i
0: have a right to be here and um yeah I mean, know maybe it's over, overcompensating the irony of that as well is probably like there's going to be so many people that go and see Ladybird and they just know you as you a know, director the, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they'll never know no, another version no.
1: uh, yeah it, 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 it's really funny it's like a really um uh, yeah it's, it's it's odd though this this desire i think you're right um I do see more women who are hyphenates. Um, There are men who are hyphenates too, but I do think it's a very common thread. Mm. And also, you know, even women I think about like that you associate with one thing more like uh, Natalie Portman is uh, also a director and a writer. And she's written for, you know, the New York Times and she's written screenplays and she directed a movie in Hebrew. <laughs> um, oh God, yeah. and, and, you know, Rashida Jones is a, is a writer, and she's a producer, and she's an actor, and she's, uh, you know, she's doing all these different things, and we think of her as a more of an actor, but she's actually doing all these other things too, and, and she's, you know, she's, she's pushing forward, and I feel like I know so many women who are just kind of coming at it from all angles, and I think some of that must have to do with the fact that there are some spaces that, they feel like they haven't been accessible to women, so they are like, any way you will let me in, <laughs> I will take it. Um, and I think that's a, it's a good thing. Even you look at someone like TV queen Shonda Rhimes. Mm. I mean, she's how many shows? Has she, hit shows? Has she yeah. been responsible for? In addition to writing books, in mm. addition to you know being Shondaland. A yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's technically this like and a, like yeah. and a yeah. business
0: publisher, yeah, all the, all the things.
1: All the things, mm. and like, um there's nothing singular about like, which, or, you know, there's nothing. Not, I mean, it's, it's a singular voice, but there's nothing sort of monolithic about it. It's like it's it's a it's a this slash
0: that slash mm. that, and, and it makes mean, the whole like you know when you meet someone at a dinner party and they're like. I mean people probably just know what you do but if people ask you what you do it's like clam up a little bit I
1: know lots of things well I used to feel really embarrassed in general because you know if someone's at a dinner party says what do you do and you say oh I'm an actor and then they look at you and you're like they say well would I have seen anything (laughs) no I mean if you don't know, no I guess you just answered that because you did yeah. <laughs> so I think you just haven't. But um such a
0: weird weird reply to that.
1: I know. How, Anything I would have seen? I don't know what you've seen and you don't know. recognize me, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in a funny way that's like a more um insecurity of like my like early twenties too. Just I mean I think everything in your I think the older, in general, the older you get, the better you feel, Mm. (laughs) as far as I can tell. I feel better (laughs) at 34 than I felt at 24, and I feel better at 24 than I did at 14. Mm. I've never felt better than I did at 10, but, you know, Mm. maybe I'll get that way at
0: 80 again. (laughs) It was so nice to see you and um, Sasha, kind of clearly so close last night as well. And I think she called you, like, the mother hen or something. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'm a bit of
1: a mother. It's so funny, whenever we do these Q&As or... We, we do interviews together, we always find it, we're, we're we're always holding hands, and then we look over at each other and we're like, we've been holding hands for the past <laughs> 10 minutes. It's um, nice. But I just, I mean, I adore her. I just, she's, um, she's such a, she's such a gifted young woman. She's such a, she's such a light, and she's such a artist and a storyteller, and I, I was so lucky that I got to work with her, and I, um, and 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 she's not she's not she's got no attitude you know mm. she's just a real hard working actor who has such respect for the craft but also approaches it in this very workmanlike way and i
0: i just i have nothing but extreme mm. admiration for her oh yeah yeah and um i rewatched atonement recently <gasps> i know I she just... had it from the, the very oh, beginning my God. Amazing, because that's like one of my favorite I, books. And yeah, just how old is she in that? Maybe like thirteen? A, or, yeah, twelve. Twelve. 12 yeah, just she's extraordinary. Yeah,
1: I I actually um when I was going to Tell Telluride where the film premiered, I was on the flight with Joe Wright who directed Atonement, Atonement, and oh, wow. he had um Darkest Hour, the, his movie with um Gary old, Oldman, and about Winston Churchill. But he we you know we he said, oh, I'm, I'm Joe, and we, I was like, oh, I'm Greta, and I was like, oh, I love you know, your movies, and then we talked about Search and he was like, she was always like that, wow. from the time she was a little girl. It was, he said it was just totally uncanny. Mm. She's always had that in her, mm, and um, yeah. I just felt so lucky that she was in my film, mm. yeah. Mm.
0: I always ask this at the end of every episode. Um, mm. What are you looking forward to next year?
1: Looking forward to um, Ava DuVernay's Wrinkle in Time. Yes. Right? that's was book that out? Was in, I think, like, March, April, something like that. Amazing. I ha- I loved that book so much when I was a kid, and then I watched the trailer, and I was like, yes, please, sign me up. I can't wait. This is perfect. I love Mindy Kaling. I love Reese Witherspoon, and I love Oprah, and I love little girls who do physics. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it made me really, really happy to see that trailer. I'm psyched for that. Um I'm really excited for, um, taking a trip with my girlfriends, um, mm-hmm. in April, we go on these sort of lady trips, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, lady vacations, um, it, it involves a rented minivan every time, and a house that's, uh, okay. that my friend Sarah cooks, and, um, uh, Anna sings karaoke and Molly takes care of all of us and Gabby is uh, delightful and my friend Serena just had a baby and she's going to bring the baby so it's like, it's our coven oh, I don't know, it's our, it's our witch time and then I'm excited to um, I'm I'm writing something that I'm going to direct, but before I direct again, I'm going to be in a movie directed by Mia Hansen-Love uh, who's a French director who I really adore and um, that will be shot on the island that Ingmar Bergman lived on uh, oh, wow. in July. So those oh are the things. God. So those are the things I'm looking forward to. Ava DuVernay's *Wrinkle in Time*, *Lady Trip*, and movie on Bergman Island with Mia hansen love Oh, amazing! Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. That's nice like to talk of my to you. Episodes. Thank you. Oh,
0: that's so nice.